What up, what up, everybody? This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast here Wednesday night, as always, with my buddy John LaRocca. John, we had an immense amount of wrestling to watch last weekend. How are you feeling, and are you? do you feel refreshed? Because after, uh, after the weekend, I was, I, was, I was pretty tired. Um, pretty burnt out the wrestling right now a little bit at least you know watched a lot of it this weekend and to even today i watched it because uh watched rock the review brawl yep. from uh 93 so i got that in today so yes yeah, a lot of wrestling um, a lot of some different styles but a lot of similar styles too so yeah so i think i can you know i can live without seeing an Gary. Yeah, <laughs> for a while, or a super kick, or you know, that stupid jumping enziguri. Um, you know, the one they do on the ropes. The guys on the rope comes at him. They do like a little jumping kick. It's yep. just, uh, just get tired of it. Here's a question, and I'll even throw this out to the people who are listening. And and if you want to re- uh, respond, uh, go ahead and respond to us on Twitter at Fight Game Media. Um, Basically, my question is, and I came to this realization yesterday when I was making sure that I, that I got to watch some of the stuff from the AEW show, and I was sitting there watching Kenny Omega, Kenny Omega and Shima, and I thought, this is a pretty good match. If I saw no other wrestling matches this weekend, I would have thought this was like a badass match. But because I saw so much wrestling, I was like, huh. It's pretty good. Like, are, are we numb to this to some extent when we're watching so much, uh, you know, like you said, a lot of similar styles, but so many shows in a matter of a few days, like, like how it almost feels like it's like almost hard to, to rate something, you know, good from bad. It's like maybe if you, if you went to the movies and saw like seven movies in one day, like how at some point your brain just gets on overload or something. Yeah, just like anything. Like, if you know, you eat the same food for, you know, the whole week by the sixth or seventh day, it's not going to taste as good as it did on Monday, you know? So it's, it's like overload. And like you said, like, yeah, you know, Megan and Shima was a, was a really good match. But like in a weekend full of a lot of great matches, you know, it's just, it's just, it was just a really good match that you, you know, and and there's just so much, you know, back when we were younger, of course, all this stuff was spaced out. So, like, you know, stuff would hold our attention more. We would think about it more and have more impact. Now there's so much stuff so fast that we're on to the next as quickly as we saw what we're, what we're watching, you know. Yeah. And, you know, I, I was almost feeling a little bad because I was like, you know, how spoiled am I that watching Kenny Omega and Shima, I'm just like, cool. Like, shouldn't I should have been like super fired up to watch that match, but because of all the stuff we had watched, I, it, it was just kind of like blurred with everything else. So that kind of, you know, we'll, we'll talk about some of the shows because we, you know, we got to watch the G1. We watched Extreme Rules. I didn't watch the entire fight for the Fallen, but I did watch uh, a good portion of it. I know you watched the Evolve show, which... Uh, you know, which has uh, which had a few good matches on it as well. So I don't really want to recap everything because we do have uh, a good amount to talk about, uh, including um, 
I wanted to, to kind of get your thoughts. You know, we are in July 2019. The best ra- the best wrestler, working wrestler alive. I, I remember there's this Jay-Z song where he's like, best rapper alive, better ask about me. And so I started to think, like, you know, we've seen so many good wrestling matches this year that I kind of wanted to know, in your opinion, who has the mantle. I put together my own little list, so I'll get to that and and I'll share that and we can kind of talk about that. But also, so, you know, sending it out to Twitter, you know, definitely send me your thoughts on, you know, thoughts of, you know, is there too much wrestling and are you kind of numb to it? Uh, And also... You know, who's the best working wrestler alive? But we'll, I'll save that more for the, the tail end of the show before we get into our Raw recap. So just a little bit of a tease there. And when I say best wrestler alive, I'm not talking about um, selling tickets. I'm not talking about who cuts the best promos or who's got the best character. I'm mostly just talking like bell to bell in the ring, who's having the best matches. And so we'll, we'll, we'll get, I'll get John's thoughts on that in a little bit. So... Um, before we actually get into the meat of this thing, I wanted to mention one other thing, which is we are now on Spotify. So if you use Spotify for your music management and your music listening, you can go ahead and find us, uh, Fight Game Podcast. I will, uh, I think I tweeted over the weekend that, uh, the link to the Spotify, uh, where you can find us on Spotify. So there are folks listening on Spotify as well, so I wanted to make sure that, that, that I put that out there. I think they're like one of the top three uh, podcast streaming services out there now, and they haven't been doing this for a long time, so it was, a, it was pretty much a must that we, that we got on there. So now we're on there, so you can find us. And uh, I guess I want to start with the G1 because, I mean, it's, you know, for the hardcore wrestling fan, it's probably the biggest... Uh, the biggest event of the year because of how it's spread out and how many nights there are and how many matches, great matches you get to see. Um, so let's talk about nights two through four, which, uh, which we were able to see. And uh, we'll talk about nights five through eight, which are upcoming. And some of you, for those of you who are listening to this on Thursday morning, night, uh, night five will have already happened. But I, was, I just wanted to get your thoughts on, you know, nights two through four. What were some of your favorite matches and what matches uh, might you have been disappointed in? And you and I were really looking forward to uh, night two because of Jeff, Jeff Cobb and Ishii. And I think a lot of people really were interested in that match as well. But, um, but there was interesting things. I thought up and down all three cards and when we get to night four, I really want your opinion on something, so I'll save that for the end. But you know, what what what, what were your thoughts on uh, on some of the stuff that we watched? Like, uh, do you have a favorite match from the G one so far? Um, my favorite match so far, it kind of took me by surprise, even though I know these guys are really good. Is Jay White and Goto from I believe that was night three or four? No, it's night two. Night two. Jeez, yeah. gosh. <laughs> So it's the same. Uh, night. Oh no! Sorry, sorry. I'm Tom. It was uh, it was uh, gosh, Jay White and Ishii. My okay. So yeah. Gracious. So that was that was this the last show. My goodness, this how that's how much wrestling I watched. Yeah, so they're no all kidding. running together. But uh, but no, this one is actually exceptionally good. Um, this match was awesome, and like they had like this perfect chemistry. You had like Jay White, who has like this 
a, you know, he's not a, he's definitely not like a, like a, like a pussy heel, you know what I mean? But like, he has moments where he can be like that or be annoying. And, and then you have like the, the, just the go for ne- don't stop, you know, bulldog, stone pit bull, uh, Ishii. It was like just a great combination. And, you know, Gato's always like really good as, like, as a heel manager. I think he interferes at the right times and he doesn't really do anything big. He doesn't really, I mean, he just kind of distracts and causes chaos and JY takes advantage. It's not like he just, he not like he's the one that's getting all the heat. You know, he just, he just helps the guy out. He adds heat to JY, which I like. And, and Ishii was, uh, was fantastic. I thought that match was great. So I, I agree that that was probably, I don't know. It's, it wasn't my favorite match. I think my favorite match so far has been uh, Osprey and Sonata, because what I liked most about that match, and that would have been the that would have been uh, night three, I believe. What I liked about that match is Will Osprey has raised the bar. I think uh, Omega previous years had had sort of raised the bar, and it's not even good enough for some of these guys that you have you know, majority really good matches. It's like every night they want to have a great match. And when I was watching Osprey and Sonata, now we all know, you know, the, the, the athletic aspect of this isn't based on competition. It's based on performance and really trying to mimic what a, a fight would be. But I watched that match and I was like, okay, Sonata is seeing Osprey and going like, okay, I can do this stuff too. Like, I'm just as good as you are, and I'm going to show it. And without Osprey being as good as he's been lately, Sonata wouldn't have to raise his game, right? And so I really love that aspect of, even though, you know, this is not a true competition or a battle, it is inside the ring when you're staring, you know, when you're mano a mano with one of the best guys, the best guys do raise the level of the other guys in the ring. And look, Sonata and, and Osprey are both great. Uh, you know, whether you like Sonata more or Osprey more, I, I'm just saying just the, the way that Osprey is raising the game right now uh, because he's, he's having a tremendous year. I just, I just really love that because I, I could just see Sonata go like, I'm just as good as you are, and I'm going to show you. Yeah, no, that was that match was a lot of fun, and it was, you know, at, when after I watched it, it was my favorite match of the tournament, and then all of a sudden, White and Ishii happened, <laughs> and I was like, wow, so that was that was a great night of of, of matches, and yeah, I agree. You know, Osprey's having a great year. He's, you know, definitely going to be. In the running, I think for rest of the year this year, should get a lot of, a lot of votes and should finish pretty high. If not, if he keeps going the way he's going and stays injury free, he can uh, definitely win it. What did you think about Ishii and Jeff Cobb on night three? Because I've heard people say that that was their favorite match of the whole tournament so far. And if you said that, I couldn't, I couldn't argue because that was it was awesome. But also, you have a closer connection to Jeff, so I imagine you know. Some of these ma- some of these matches with Jeff, you're kind of like almost in the ring with him, even though you're you're mm-hmm. probably watching him like you know a little bit after it's happened. Yeah, no, I um I really like that match too, and it lives up to the hype, and it was cool to see it's it getting its praise, and it, it should, you know, they have 
really good chemistry with each other. They wrestled each other before, and they both like each other a lot, and Ishii respects Cobb a lot. So, you know, you could tell he wants to get Jeff over. Um, I was shocked that Jeff didn't go over. I thought, you know, it'd be a good opportunity for him to get a win here and get like a, you know, a title shot in the future or something like that. You know, I thought they could have played that off, but they have some other stuff going on in the in the future with Ishii. So, but uh, no, Jeff looked looked really good out there. Um, it was like the first match, and he's already in a big war. You I know? know, I know. And he has a lot more to come. So, uh, yeah, I know he was happy with it, and so that you know, so that's great. So night three, I think, has been the best night so far. It had Osprey and Sonata. And uh, it it had um, uh, Tanahashi and Kenta. It had Kota Ibushi and Evil. Uh, Kota Ibushi working on a bad ankle, uh, and and you know we're putting that into into the story of the match. Okada and Zack Saber Jr. Uh, and again, you know Osprey and Sonata. I, I just you know, and you even had a fun Art Lance Archer and Bad Luck Fale brawl, which I think. You know, it was kind of like the match that I was like, okay, if, I, if I'm going to skip something, I'll skip this one. And then I started watching. I was like, oh, I probably can't really skip this match either. Uh, but that night was just tremendous. Uh, any any highlights from, from watching that one? Well, that's the Kenta Tanahashi, right? Yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, that match there. I mean, I, you know, that was fun to watch to see. And I think, you know, Kenta is doing great. And I hope people will, will get off his ass about not being the same Kenta <laughs> and all that stuff. Like... Just, just enjoy this Kenta, and you can tell he has a chip on his shoulder, and he mm-hmm. wants to prove himself, and he wants to be considered one of the top guys in Japan again, and and he's in there with Tanahashi, who's gonna you know help him reach that goal and make him look good, and and you know it felt like a big match to me, like I was watching, I was I was getting hyped, there's a little buzz, a little goosebumps, because you know that's a match a lot of people wanted to see, and and those kicks that Kenta does are just so nasty. Mm-hmm. And, there's a great near fall off to, off to go to sleep and I don't know, just just a lot of good a lot of good quality wrestling and it's funny how you talk about like you know Omega and Shima like lost in the shuffle there is like Okada Zack Saber Jr. right like that was yeah. like, a really good match and I liked it but like at that draw I was like oh that's good <laughs> like like yeah. if it was just by itself and you'd be like oh that was a great match and you would you know but it's just so much good wrestling this weekend. And then uh, if we move over to night four, I think, I think a lot of people were disappointed in this, in this night because, um, well, I'll, I'll tell you why, why I was disappointed. I thought Jeff Cobb and John Moxley kind of sucked. And I was trying to figure out what bothered me so much about this match. And I realized that when I was watching Moxley, I was like, oh, this is like a Dean Ambrose WWE match. Like, all the way to, you know, some of the some of the moves that he did, like that standing flying elbow. Mm. And I was just thinking, like, you know, this is a great opportunity for Mox to show a little bit of variety in his game, you know, that he's not just coming back as this, like, brawling, like, you know, interfering you know a weapons kind of kind of guy and i was just so disappointed in the match now they only got they got less than nine minutes and i know they had there's a story there in that you know jeff has injured his shoulder and and maybe they're gonna you know work that into the rest of the tournament but i thought you know this was such a great opportunity plus he's got someone like jeff who's so versatile and yet he had just a 
like a WWE match to me. And I was just so bothered because I, you know, obviously, of course, I'm rooting for Jeff to have these great matches too. But I, I just, it felt to me like, um, not like there was a missed opportunity. And, and some people coming out of that match were like, ah, oh, this just shows that Jeff isn't ready to step up to that level. And I was like, no, what it actually shows is that, you know, Moxley couldn't step up to the plate and, and really have a showcase match here. Like, I, you know, I, I don't know enough about, you know, who's calling in the ring and who can change it up and whether Jeff can, like, you know, under, you know, know that this isn't going well and sort of take control. Like, those things, you know, I leave to people who've actually done it, like a Dave Dutcher who we talked to or even, you know, yourself because you know what goes in. But I was like, no, like, this wasn't a, a Jeff Cobb expose to me. It was a John Moxley expose to me. Yeah, I think they were kind of handcuffed at the time. They were only given ten minutes, and I didn't personally like the match. I thought it was, I thought it was good, but I thought Moxley took too much of the match on Jeff. I thought Jeff should have got a little bit more, and that's why I was like frustrated. I kept waiting for like Jeff to get going or start doing some of his big suplexes or whatnot, and like it just like never came. I think he got a couple suplexes in, but other than that, like nothing really happened, you know, and then all of a sudden he gets, you know, need and DDT'd and, and pinned, and I'm like, hmm, after that performance with Ishii, you would think, you know, they would have a little bit more time, a little more competitive match, but they were only given 10 minutes, and obviously the time was allocated to Ishii and White and Naito and Taichi, so, you know, you know, maybe, so that's, maybe that's what kind of caused, maybe if they got more time, they would have, they were been given, you know, maybe Jeff would have had more opportunity, I don't know. I just thought it was. Uh, I was a little disappointed. I was just made just you know, just personally, made selfishly, you know, being just disappointed in it because you know I'm obviously, you know, as a, my friend, I want him to do really well and I want mm-hmm. him to have a great tournament. I want him to continue to be in these tournaments for years to come. And uh, but you know, it's what they wanted, and and you know, um, uh, everyone seemed to be happy with it, honestly. So uh, you know, when it came to the office and everything so i just wish they I just wish jeff got a little bit more you know yeah. on, on mox like like in for example you know when he went up for that big elbow and the elbow down i thought i thought i thought for sure jeff was catching him oh yeah at that point totally but he but he didn't and it just and then i thought okay man they're building something here and they're on the ropes and it just led into like that's, nothing that's, into jeff being need and dt'd and then that was it that finish sucked yeah, you know, I I think the fans weren't ready for it either. Like it happened, and it was like not that big a reaction. As I, I, I mean, I think the story is that Dean was very smart because he actually couldn't put the move <laughs> on Jeff because Jeff is so big and solid, and so he yeah. had to utilize his smarts and use the ropes. But we've seen that move as a transitional wrestling move by Randy Orton for ten years now. You know, <laughs> it's not a finisher. I was hoping they would do something with a ramp, you know, like I thought that's where Jeff is to get something, some kind of offense on. They had like a moment where they kind of both walked down each opposite end of the ramp or opposite side of the ramp and had a stare down and they started going at it. And the fans like that, that spot. But I thought maybe, you know, you know, they got like, what, what they had a double down out there with the, the two clotheslines. Yeah. Like I thought maybe Jeff was going to reverse something and hit something, but oh, well, you know, it was Let's hope the next one is better for him, and I think he has a he has juice next. So yeah, I think that um, should be fun. Um, that will be a good match. You know, that's gonna be that's gonna be a lot of fun, like you said. Uh, 
Uh, what did you think of Taichi in his hometown beating Naito in uh, a bit of an upset, uh, which makes uh, I don't think Naito isn't, isn't Naito is uh, 0 2 0 2 so far. So yeah, he he's lost both of his matches. Yeah, he lost to Yano and lost to now Taichi. Um, I thought it was good, uh, not as crazy as their their other match uh, earlier this year, which was was just nuts. Uh, but still a good performance. I, I really like Taichi. I think he's a great character. I like his offense. You know, you know. I, I guess he was trained by Kawada, who was one of my favorites in All Japan um, growing up. And you know, I love seeing the jumping high kick that he does, the way he does like Kawada did, and stuff. I just like, oh, like giving that little bit craziness. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of getting. I know it's New Japan. They do this a lot with the refs, but I'm just kind of, I'm just over it by now. So you know, it's like, much. It's so much, and, and it gets kind of ridiculous. Um, I too like how Taichi's like adopted the Iron Fingers. I thought that was <laughs> pretty pretty funny, and and I like how like he's such a great performer, and that like, you know, it's he, you know he makes sure he you can see him putting the the fingers on, and you know doesn't rush anything. It's all about the moments and stuff. He's such a great character. So for the next four nights, so for those of us, uh, th- those who are listening to this on a Thursday, the, uh, the fifth night will have already happened. And we have, for matches uh, for the A block, Kenta and Lance Archer. So both guys are 2-0. Uh, I'll, I'll quickly, let, let's read the standings real quick, though, uh, before, uh, before I get into the nights. Um, so in the A block, we have, hang on one second. In the A block, we have Okada, Kenta, and Archer with four points. Sonata, Bad Luck Valet, Evil, Osprey. They have two, and so far with zero points are Kotobushi, Zack Sabre Jr., and Tanahashi. In the B block, we have Ishii, Moxley, and Juice at four each. Uh, Shingo, Goto, Yano, and Taichi with two, and Naito, Jeff Cobb, and Jay White have zero. So for uh, Kenta, like I said, Kenta and Lance Archer, so they are both uh, somebody's uh, somebody's O has got to go. <laughs> yep. Uh, and then Evil and Sonata, so the tag team partners facing off against each other. Uh, Okada and Bad Luck Fale. Okada generally always gets a pretty good match out of Fale. Tanahashi and Zack Sabre Jr., which is always super fun because you just get to see Tanahashi sell his ass off for uh, for the whole match. And then Kotobushi and Will Ospreay. Not only is this a ridiculous match, but Will Ospreay had to miss the last show because of a, uh, a neck injury, and there was some worry that he wasn't going to be able to, to maybe have this match Coda, uh, like I said, Coda's working with a, with an ankle injury, so you have two guys who are banged up, but who will do just about anything to have a great match. I'm a little worried about this one. Yeah, yeah, me too. Especially after the stinger and the ankle injury that the Ibushi got and Osprey, you know, had the stinger. So I think, wow, I hope they do a whole mat based match. <laughs> 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 you know, a lot of holes and counter holes and submission attempts. That'd be actually pretty damn awesome. I would think that'd be cool to see something do something completely different. But uh, I'm, I'm twisted like that. But 
Uh, yeah, that should be nuts. I think a lot of people circled that match as one of their must-sees of the tournament. Um, I'm interested in Tanahashi and Zack Sabre Jr. because both are, have no wins, and Tanahashi did lose to Zack at Madison Square Garden, right? And that's what put him out in the injury, and he came back. So does he get his revenge here? Are they doing a story where Tanahashi's, you know, not winning his matches in this tournament or something? Like, I wonder if there's a, definitely a, a, a story going to be played out with Tanahashi. So we'll see what happens there. Um, but I, I, I think Tanahashi's going to get a win, I think. Oh, wait, no. <laughs> that's what's kind of cool about this A block, right? The A block is so unpredictable. Like, you know, and it's going to be, I think in the end, it's, that A block will be all close. But, yeah, yeah, that should be a good card. And Kenta and, and Archer should be really good. And so for Friday, uh, we have Shingo against Taichi, Juice against Jeff Cobb, like you mentioned, Yano and Jay White, mm. Hir- Hiroki Goto against uh, Tetsuya Naito, and the main event is Ishii against Moxley, which should be more towards you know Moxley's liking as far as uh, the style of match. So I expect this one to be really good, and uh, he'll I think he'll have a good one here. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. Um, I mean, Ishii's definitely. I like to see Ishii in the finals. You know, it's, you know he's kind of always like the bridesmaid. Mm-hmm. You know, know the bride, and I, I just like to see him, see him in the finals. I think people get behind it because he's such a lovable character. Absolutely. And I also think if I ever won the title too, it'd be a big deal. Like he doesn't have to like hold it for a long time. He can actually be like a you know, win it and then lose it, the next defense kind of guy, big transitional thing. Uh, but, and, and I know a lot of people like, well, it's one of the things about the IW Tribal, it just doesn't change hands often, and that's great. I, that's what I love about it, too. I think, like, Ishii kind of deserves it, like, just once. Imagine know? imagine him beating Okada. That would be, like, the, I think the internet might blow up that day. Yeah, yeah, I think there's a story to be told there, like, for you know, EC going for the title, and and you know, I think they could. I, def, I, def, I definitely think it could draw big, and they could do it at a big. You know, I think it's a Tokyo, in my opinion. You know, they really wanted to. You know, just you know, he has that. Just that people just love that guy. And for Saturday, Zack Saber Jr. and Bad Buck Fale, Tanahashi and Lance Archer, Kenta and Evil, Kota Ibushi and Sonata, and Okada and Osprey. So, Osprey. <laughs> With the Stinger, back-to-back matches against Ibushi and Okada. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, they're really putting Osprey in position to be the, uh, the rest of the year this year. I mean, he's going to – I mean, he's been great. I mean, you know me, I've been a, a heavy critic of Osprey, And I still scratch my head at some of the way he sells and his over-the-top facial expressions just kind of just can drive me nuts at times. But but he's been he's been really good and, and – um, his matches have been great, and gosh, we'll see. Do you think he? Well, you know, it's going to be it's so hard to predict this tournament. That's what I like about. It. But I still think. Well, God, I hope his ankle's okay. I still think Cody's going to win this tournament, though. And then, so they get uh, they get Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday off, and they come back Wednesday. So the next time we record, we're going to have to try to watch uh, a lot of wrestling that day, or maybe we'll, we'll maybe we'll push it back a day just to make sure we get caught up with uh, with with Wednesday show. But they, they must have planned this tournament around our raw viewing schedule, <laughs> which is great. Yeah, with all the days off in between, right? Like right when we start the week. 
Um, so Juice against uh, Yano, Goto and Taichi, Moxley against Shingo, Jeff Cobb and Jay White. Being that, according at least according to the website, they are in the semi-main event slot. Hope so that that should mean that they get a good amount of time. And then Ishii and Naito, which uh, another ridiculous match. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. Jay White and Jeff Cobb. Actually, pretty. After that performance by Jay White and Ishii, I'm 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 actually really excited for all future Jay White's matches going forward. And I've been. I've been excited. I've been enjoyed. He's had fans. He's had some great dude. He was talking about rest of the year, and we're gonna talk about that later. Mm-hmm. Like you got to put Jay White's name in the hat for that because he got all the great matches he had with so far Tanahashi, the title change, uh, Okada at Master Guard, which I thought was fantastic, um, and this match Ishi. So hmm, man, it's gonna be some. It's gonna be an interesting topic later, but yeah, it's. Definitely got to consider Jay White in that top in that list of, of best guys out there. So let's let's switch gears a little bit to talk about the AEW show. So we're going to talk about AEW. We're going to talk about Evolve since they kind of they went head to head. Even though you know it's kind of it's kind of interesting that you know one of they're they're both technically on streaming services. So you know you didn't need to watch either of them live, and um, and then also Extreme Rules, which we got to watch with our buddies on on Sunday. So, a couple of things that come out of uh, Fight for the Fallen. Um, I had this thought after, I kind of had it after Fighter Fest as well. We kind of talked about it a little bit, which is coming out of Double or Nothing, they felt like the hottest wrestling promotion on earth. And since then, they've had two shows, free shows, and you would think that they would be able to build on that momentum and and stay hot. But I actually think it's been the opposite. I think that those two shows actually hurt them because they were two shows that were very solid wrestling shows, but they were not can't-miss wrestling shows. And it was almost like I wish like they did Double or Nothing, and then the next week they started TV. Because they would have been so hot for TV. But doing these two shows, I feel like they're kind of cold. Not not cold. Cold isn't the right word. Because, you know, they're, they're new. They're, they're still, you know, they're, they're still kind of experimenting. And they're doing lots of different things. But I just felt like you had two opportunities to market your brand and to put on shows that could build off of the momentum. And, again, they weren't bad shows. They were good shows. But I feel like they are less hot than they were coming out of Double or Nothing. Yeah, I agree. And I think uh, Fighter Fest, you know, took a, you know, I think it, Fighter Fest was a, hopefully it should be an eye opener for them. Like they don't have the golden touch on everything they do. Um, they will have a, yeah, it was a good show, but they're not going to have these, all their shows are just going to be these great barn burners yeah. and the crowd's going crazy. No, yeah. no, 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 no. You're going to have a few, clunkers i'm gonna call this a clunker but i you know you're gonna have you're not gonna have these like a double nothing event like that five the whole mm-hmm. you know for every show so you know but that's okay it's, you know it's good to be humbled you know especially because you know like they said they, they thought they can get over librarians and they're not <laughs> yeah what what do you think uh, and you know come from well, kind of what you said which is you know we learn from your mistakes this pre-show 
or whatever they call it. The buy-in. Yeah, the buy-in. WWE calls it the kickoff. I feel like they need to redo this thing. And, and my idea was, I told you guys when we were hanging out the other day, I would do a one-hour being the elite pre-show, as the pre-show. Now, if you want to throw to a live match, like, you know, that that's fine. But I would basically create a being the elite and pre-record most of it with a lot of the stuff that they do in being the elite with the sense of humor and some of the funny stuff and really like almost uh, almost take it to another level because you know that you're going to get some interest and some intrigue being that it's right before the pay-per-view because there's something that they do with those shows that are very clever and they're very creative that does not correlate to the stuff that happens on these pre-shows. Mm-hmm. And I, I would really look into rebranding the pre-show as a pay-per-view version of a Being the Elite. And I just think it would be more clever. I think they would look at it a different way. And it's not so gimmicky WWE because the you, you mentioned kickoff show to a WWE fan. And they're like, don't even, like, I don't even want to be near that thing. I already know what's going to happen, which is a whole lot of nothing and a whole lot of shoving stuff down my throat that I don't even want to know about. Yeah, and so would... far the yeah, so far the buy-ins have been just a bunch of, you know, non-important matches, a lot of the worst matches on the show. Yeah, I would just redo the whole thing, rebrand that thing. Like, don't do WWE. This is where you have the opportunity. You have the creativity of the Young Bucks, you have the creativity of Cody, uh, Kenny. Utilize those guys to come up with stuff that's very clever and smart and smart for, for the fan base, right? Uh, I would just redo the whole thing and, and make sure that you utilize those guys uh, in their skill sets. Yeah, but, but just, or just use it for some promos. Like, like have MJF talk about, like, being upset teaming with Sean Spears or hurt his buddy Cody or, you know, stuff like that. Like, put a few more promos in there, like good wrestling promos in there, you know. And, yeah, mix, they should mix in the, the being elite stuff because that's their fan base. You know, definitely. I think they did that in the first buy-in. I thought that I felt, like, at least at the end when they went and did the walkthrough. And, mm-hmm. and I even think, uh, what the was that, Fighter Fest? No, not Fighter Fest. The other one that the they just had. And they had like the uh, about the budget and all that stuff. So I think they kind of they're trying to incorporate that. But like, like you said, like why put these like not so good matches in the pre-show? I mean, at least WWE on hey on the, on on their pre-show, they're given better quality matches. You know, with with with, with higher quality talent. Let's be honest. You know, and on the you know I just don't watch the pre-show because I just can't sit there for five. Hours. <laughs> I just can't. That, that's another thing, right? You're adding, by having an actual pre-show, you're adding another hour to what was, what, a four-hour and 15-minute show already? Or no, yes. no, that, or, or was that was that combined, the whole thing? I, I don't remember. No, it was four hours combined. Because I, I, I watched the buy-in separately, like, the next day, because, you know, I watched the Evolve show first, because, you know, I went into to watch the AEW show, but it was, like, during Jericho's promo, I didn't want to watch it. You know, right in the middle of that, so I decided to watch the ball first and catch the replay of the AEW show later. And um, 
yeah, when I when I clicked on it, it said you know three hours and thirty minutes. So I think yeah, with the you know, so it's like four thirty with yeah. with the buy in show. So yeah, so uh, I I thought um, the Young Bucks and the Brotherhood was long. I thought it was good. I don't know that I would consider it a great match, but I thought it was good. Um, I like. Well, I guess I, I guess I can't say whether I, I I like it or not. I understand the creativity of the Young Bucks kind of mimicking Cody and Dustin for you know just for heat purposes to kind of make fun of the the hugging and and stuff. Like I thought that was cute. Just you know you're trying to get heat when you're it's two teams that the crowd absolutely loves. So I get that part. Uh, but you know. I, I, th- I just thought it was a good, good, solid wrestling match. Decent storytelling. Uh, did not. Uh, I don't think the fans super got into it. And I thought the heat was going to be a little bit interesting because both teams are so loved. But uh, yeah. So I mean, anything that stood out one way or the other for you on this one? Um, the match was good. It was ten minutes too long. Um, I think the issue is no one wanted to see this match yet. You had. Cody and Dustin coming off their great match, and the fans love them, right? Especially after coming off that great match, and the Young Bucks are very popular too. So now they're trying to create this, you know, some heat with the Young Bucks making fun of the Rhodes brothers having their moment in the ring and at Double or Nothing, and it just didn't translate. And I think one it was a combination of the Bayface team that that people don't want to you know cheer against the other. There's also the fact that it was really hot there is also, you know, hour four, you know, in this show. People are getting tired, too. And going 30 minutes, it's like this thing, then you go 30 minutes. I thought the match was fine. It was nice to see the, the Young Bucks and kind of, you know, slow it down, you know, and, and, and you know, work more of a more of a story. I, I, I enjoy the pacing of the match better. But, like, after a while, I was like, man, this is going too long. They got to finish it. And um, yeah, I think that's how you know. I think it was kind of it was kind of a cold match. You know, it was cool when Dustin when Cody wanted to be you know Dustin be his partner, but maybe we should have been a team that had some I don't know could have some real heat to it. And but who they, they don't have that team. They don't. That's another problem with the AEW. One of the big mistakes is that they have a lot of similar teams that fit the Young Buck style, but where's uh you know where's someone else that's totally opposite of them? You know, there's not really not not there. You know what match I would have modeled a little bit is a match that we both really liked when we were younger. Steiner Brothers against Sting and Lex. Mm -hmm. That match was very similar in that both teams were so beloved, right? That there was not going to be any real heat to it. You know, no one wanted to see one team getting the best of the other team. So then it just becomes, let's just freaking trade great moves and, and high spots and... yeah. And and that's a, what and that's kind of what the young bucks do in general, right? So yeah, it was it was eleven minutes. A Super Brawl one, Steiner, Sting, and Luger. It was eleven minutes of just high spots. Yeah, and you're right. That's what they should have done. You're exactly right. You just had it been a, a nice fifteen minutes. Just just get all your moves. Go crazy. Go nuts. That's what their audience likes, anyways. Like you know, but you know, I know Cody and Dustin. They wanna they wanna tell stories, and I love them for that. And I just think it just didn't work work this night. I thought the best thing on the whole show was the video package 
before that match, where you had Tony Schiavone and Jake Roberts, there was a seriousness to that match, but it also reminded me of the video before Sting and Lex and the Steiner Brothers. Now, mm-hmm. that, that video had some cheesy music going on to try to, like, make Don't us... Don't call it cheesy, please. Respect, respect. Us, <laughs> us as fans <laughs> to try to, like, be so brokenhearted that two of our favorite teams were going to have to fight each other. That's what, I mean, that's what it felt like. And, and But, you know, I really like that video package. And, you know, that's an underrated thing, I think, with AEW is the, you know, that we talked about this during the Cody and Dustin video uh, originally to, to set up that match. Like that Dustin video was like so good. And they're really good at that. And I really enjoyed that. And, and frankly, the, it was better than the match to me. Like I was like, after I watched that video, I was like, oh man, this is so good. And then I watched the match and I was like, okay, the match didn't actually live up to what they were promising. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, no, I agree. So uh, we talked a little bit about Omega and Shima, but what, what did you think of that match? Yeah, that was good. I mean, you know, I just, it was kind of a cold match. So, you know, it didn't feel epic, even though they were trying to make it out to be a, some kind of a dream match. For some reason, I didn't feel the dream match part of it. But maybe I was just tired, too. So, mm-hmm. But uh, it was that double knee spot by uh, Shima was pretty crazy off that oh, balcony yeah. thing. Oh, yeah. That was nuts. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, it was, it, was, it was good. And uh, I think, the, the you know, there, there was other stuff on the show. But I think the other thing that I thought was uh, was, was pretty cool was Jericho's interview now he he attacks uh, Adam Page after Adam Page beats Kip Sabian, and he's like the chubbiest luchador like coming into the <laughs> ring, <laughs> which I thought was re- kind of funny actually. And um, but then he comes out. Uh, I think it was, it was right before the main event, and I thought he cut a really good promo. Now, you know he was going like he was doing the heel thing where he's like insulting the city. I don't know if what do you call it, like Jackoffsville or Jack, yeah. Jackassville or whatever. Um, but you know he is still he still has presence to that level that maybe only Kenny can touch. And Cody's like, you know, Cody's close. Young Bucks are close, but Jericho still has it, man. Like that guy, just his presence. You, you when you when he is in the ring, like you're just paying attention to every word. Yeah, no, it was a good promo, good angle. I liked it. Um, that was definitely yeah, you know highlight. You know, for me, um, another highlight of me was the uh, three way tag match with uh, just because Jungle Boy stood out so so much in that match. Like he like looked really good. Everything looked pretty crisp. The crowd loved him. Um, he just has that it man that people just want to gravitate to and i thought he hit a home run in that match and uh, the only thing i didn't like is that they have they put marco stunt with jungle boy and luchasaurus i think that's a bad call i think it just he holds him down i think you know i don't think he adds into to their acts i think they should drop him soon so you watched the evolve show i didn't watch the evolve show uh it's just it's just when you know when we have so much great stuff to watch and then you're going to tell me to watch like the, you know, the WWE light version of NXT. I just can't like, that's the one that I'm going to skip every single time. But you know, there were matches on that show that I really want to see and hopefully I'll get to see at some point, but I just, you know, the reasoning for WWE to do this, obviously this is out of the, you know, Vince McMahon, 1987 playbook, right? It's, 
you know, we are going to cross uh, promote against uh, against what what the competition is doing. And so he puts on Evolve. But to me, putting on Evolve against AEW is still not taking them super seriously. Uh, you know, switching the day of a pay-per-view to go up against AEW would actually be super serious to me. But yeah, I just wasn't going to, uh, you know, I, I understand why they did it. I, I get it. It's competition. But come on, WWE. I, I, I'm going to watch your Sunday show. I'm not going to pay attention to the Evolve show. Yeah, I mean, I watched it, and honestly, I regretted. Start. I was regretting watching it early because, like, the opening segment was just dog crap. I mean, bunch of bunch of drones in the ring. They had like <laughs> this really weak brawl. It just doesn't look good. And I'm like, this is how you open the show. You're on the freaking WWE Network, and this is what you open with. My goodness gracious! And then the first match was was it's just that just sucked. It was too long. Million moves, uh, you know, <laughs> and they follow that up with a four way. And oh my god, this match sucked too. And a bunch of guys that should be still be on the indie circuit. And I know it involves like you know scraping for talent now. They're trying to they're trying to up their game. You know, trying to you know replenish their 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 roster. But my god, they have to be better guys than these <laughs> guys, right? <laughs> and then like there was a decent match with. Uh, uh, who was, which is, uh, God, I forget his name, NXT. He's an NXT guy, um, Brazilian, legit badass, legit Brazilian, just legit badass, Capoeira guy. I mean, he looks, he looks like, a, he's like, he's like, he looks like a classic villain, right? And he had a match with, uh, I think, Anthony Henry. And it was a little bit shoe style, it was physical. I mean, Henry got a bloody nose right away. Uh, the finish was great with the big Capoeira kick. By Ruas, it just drilled Henry. It looked nice. That was a that was a that was a good match. And then you had Shotzi Blackheart versus Laura James. I forget her name. Uh, that match was just like well, it was that good, you know. And Shotzi has a great look, a great presence, but she's definitely you know has a lot of holes in the game. He's a he's a girl that can carry her, and I don't think that girl Laura James is going is the one. Shotzi does this crazy stunt where she does dive out and on these chairs and Laura, she's had Laura set up on it and she, she moved and then she just goes crashing and it was like, she broke her face or whatever. It was nasty. I mean, if you see it on, there's, there's a, you know, highlights online. You can easily find it. It's oh just, yeah. It was, that was, ugh. it was just crazy. And before that, there was a moment where they're going for like the slice bread on the apron. And like, it's, I don't think Laura James wanted to go up for it. It just kind of just fell apart. It was just, 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 just bad. And there was a, Another match with uh, another NXT signing, uh, Baba Tunde, who mm-hmm. you might have remember saw in the, the greatest Royal Rumble. Yeah, ever. yeah, yeah. That guy's freaking fantastic. And he's like, he's like, I don't know, seven foot, maybe six eleven, really, but like fast and athletic. And he worked uh, Steve Krios kid, Cole Krina, who I never seen work before. I've seen pictures. I go, wow, this kid's like tiny, but he was like a great little pesty, annoying heel, right? I literally like that match, and I like Bob Tunde a lot. I think they got something with that guy, and I think uh, you know he definitely needs to go with like with Heyman, right? <laughs> like Heyman would definitely take care of that guy. Uh, and the Evolved Tag Team Title Match was garbage. It's just like wow, just anytime Era Fox on screen, just like why, you know? Can't believe I'm watching Era Fox on the WWE Network. Um, <laughs> but then it picked up. Um, Matt Riddle and Drew Gulak was really good, physical, 
I like that style of wrestling. I like both guys a lot. It was a really good match. Definitely one of the better matches of the weekend. And follow that up with a great match between the Evolve guys of, you know, um, Austin Theory, who's their young 21-year-old. Like, he's like the prototype WWE guy, right? Like, looks good. But he also wrestles the style that the fans nowadays like, a very athletic um, style. And he wrestled a guy named J.D. Drake, who... His gimmick is, you know, like he says, I sh- people think I should drive in the ring truck instead of wrestling the ring because he's a big, heavy guy. But he moves great. He's a great underdog, babyface. It was they told a really, really good story, and you know, basically it was you know, Anthony Theory's like, I mean, Austin Theory's like, hey, I'm gonna be a future WWE superstar, like sooner than later. You're just in my way, and they had like this big communication match between titles, and that was really good. And then. You know, Adam Cole and Akira Tozawa was like a, a good quality, uh, you know, WWE NXT match. Mm-hmm. So it, it ended it ended strong. At first, I'm like, my God, I gotta get out. I gotta, <laughs> why am I watching? Why am I wasting time watching this crap? But luckily, the last three matches and a couple other things saved it for me to be in a you know a good show. There was some production errors, and it just just weird to see this on. Yeah. You know, and I just wish it was. I wish it was produced a little better. I wish it was the lighting was a little better. Is at the ECW arena? They did a segment where they had this great promo with building up the Austin Theory JD Drake match, right? And then they come to the ring and they do like this like goofy segment with a with a special a guest, and they end up being this guy from Evolve. Some I don't know. Some guy looks like JT Southern if you remember him in mm-hmm. WCW. Mm-hmm. And the lights go out, and now come Paul Heyman. And Paul Heyman starts giving a speech about the future, blah, 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 about being extreme, ECW, this arena, blah, blah, blah. You know, and the fans were eating it up, and he was a, ring, a special guest ring announcer for the title match. So, um, it was uh, it was interesting, to say the least. But definitely, if I was, you know, anyone that watching this, kind of like on the fence of watching it, I would say definitely go out and see... Uh, the Riddle Gulak match, go out and see um, the Austin Theory and uh, Chitty Drake match. And I think, yeah, I think you would, it'd be worth your time to see those matches. So the last show of the weekend was one that we all got to watch together, uh, got the band back together, including our buddy Edward, who we hadn't seen in a while. But Extreme Rules, which I thought like for 75% of it was a pretty darn fun WWE show. It had its own, you know, problems like like normal with the show going a little bit longer than it probably needed to be. And the main event was kind of funky and, you know, the Brock Lesnar cash-in, which I just wish it was done a little bit more creatively considering they've been teasing it and teasing it and teasing it. And we have no faith in Seth. And after he, you know, he's paired with, with Becky Lynch, we have even less faith in him because they're such a weird couple. And it's <laughs> funny because Seth... Um, Someone asked him about the critique that he and Becky don't have good on-screen chemistry. And he says, I think those critics might be a little jealous. I think that's where it stems from. I mean, if I'm a dude and I'm watching TV and I have a crush on Becky, I'm probably not going to be fond of the guy who's dating her either. So I get that. We have such great chemistry. I think it's funny that people think we don't. Either way, it amuses me. Seth is now like the guy who whenever he says something... I know if I think exactly the opposite, I'm right. <laughs> like mm-hmm. everything he says nowadays, everything that comes out of his mouth just seems so defensive. 
it's like why even like why even make a statement because it's clear on tv that he and becky are not comfortable as a couple which that is i i get that piece like who wants to be on tv with their significant other understanding the you know the wrestling his the, the wrestling history and, and what happens sometimes when you're on screen with your mate but it's clear that they are not good together so i don't know why he would be so go on offense here and and you know basically diss the fan base who are like dude you're this is not working but that's just seth and he's really defensive right now and that's kind of his gimmick but I, you know, them together is, is not good. I can't wait until they figure out a way to uh, to not have this this whole storyline. But um, yeah, the whole the, you know the whole Brock thing. I just wish that Seth didn't look like such a such a he. I he, supposedly he's been preparing for Brock to cash in for months now, and he was so prepared. Brock came in, gave him two suplexes and an F five, and it was over. It was just like what? Yeah, <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah, I thought the pay per view, like like you said, over I was really good. Um, another pay per view, the last pay per view was really good too. So, I kind of been on a nice little streak here at good shows. Wait, you uh, liked the uh, Stomping Ground show? Yeah, I thought Stomping Ground was pretty good. Hmm. That was pretty. Uh, like the it moved. Like I thought, like it flowed pretty well. It was an easy watch for me. And uh, yeah, I liked that show. And I thought this show was good too. I really liked the opener. The opener was like that exceeded my expectation. I knew like Reigns and McIntyre oh, yeah. would be really, really oh, yeah. good because they have just, just have great chemistry together. If you should, you know, back at Stomping Grounds, they had an awesome match. And you know, you throw the Undertaker in there with the Shane McMahon, and I'm thinking, okay, well, Undertaker hasn't, you know, unfortunately hasn't been looking good in a long time. But he did. They 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 were smart with how they, you know, would they put him in spots and. I thought that was really good, and uh, the three-way tag match was a lot of fun and and really good. It's nice to see you know heavy machinery being matches like that, and because I really like their act, and I really like those guys, so root for them. And then um, you know Lashley and Strowman had a fun all-around-the-building kind of brawl, big special gimmick finish, and you know um, the only thing that was disappointment, and it was I don't think it was their fault. It was a good match. It was just like it came out right after that three way, and everyone was just super hyped mm-hmm. on that after that three way. And then, so Ricochet and Styles was affected by it a little bit. Um, um, I thought the Kofi Joe was a waste. Man, they should. I think just this should have been the time where Joe just destroys Kofi and just wins the title. But they continue to go with Kofi as champion. I think I'm just, I'm just kind of over it now. I think it's it's kind of you know it's kind of hit an expiration date. You know, with this title reign, but and then you know the the main event, the mixed tag was good in spots and but kind of dragged, like mm-hmm. you said. But I like the ending of it. Like I like what they're going for. Like with Corbin getting the big move, hitting the big move on Becky, and then Rollins like losing it and just destroying Corbin. Like yeah, I, that, I mean, someone ever does something to my wife, I. I'd go crazy too and probably, you know, destroy that guy or whoever. And so that felt real to me. I like that. But I, I, I would have liked it better if he got DQ'd. Because it should have been a DQ. But it's like you know, winner take all. I don't think there was. I don't, they were they're hitting stuff with kendo sticks and shit. Yeah, but you're not supposed to fight. It's supposed to be man, man against man, woman against woman. Oh yeah, true. That was a stipulation. That, that, but, that's that's why. Like I, I I thought 
for Corbin, like it, like as a heel, if you're thinking as a heel, for Corbin, he's like, you know what? I'm going to lose this match, and we're going to lose our opportunities to win. But guess what? I hate Seth so much that I'm going to give his wife this move. It's going to irritate him mm-hmm. so much. I, w- I wish that would have been the finish instead. But then, you know, then it's like, oh, if they lose the match, they're not going to get another title shot. And then, you know, Baron Corbin's in the in the battle royal the next night for the number one contendership. Which maybe what should have happened was Becky submits Lacey, right? Yeah. A couple hugs. Rah, 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 yay, yay, yay. Behind, as they're celebrating to the crowd, out from behind, Corbin comes in, hits the big move on Becky, lays her out, and Rollins is all distraught. His girlfriend is hurt, right? I mean, we have the, the announcers do that little quiet talking, mm-hmm. you know, oh, my God, this is this is horrible, blah, blah, blah. Out comes, you know, the medical, medical staff. Everyone's checking on her. We're, we're keeping on. The, we're, we're not going in. We're not in the pay-per-view. That sets beside himself. He just, he's, he just, he's just so, so worried about his girlfriend. Boom! Here comes Brock. Here comes Paul Heyman. You know, and, and Seth can't. You know, he has no time to deal with this. You know, he, he's the one. You know, it's, it's his girlfriend's hurt, right? Then Brock destroys Seth. Then Brock cashes in and wins, right? Yeah, it would. It would have only been a hundred times better than what they did. Yeah, yeah. My friend and I were <laughs> a friend of mine, close personal friend of mine. Were were talking about that, and we were just like, "God, it was, it was an awesome creative session." In my opinion, <laughs> like within like three minutes, we like booked like multiple different kind of scenarios, and it kind of we all like came to agreement. We'd be the awesome booking team, by the way. <laughs> um, and. Yeah, so that's what we, you know. That's what you know. We kind of came up with, and I, because that's what my I had the same issue with as you did, like with the cash in, like okay, like Seth Rollins just got this huge adrenaline rush, right? He destroys Baron Corbin. He still has that rush, right? I mean, come on, the announcers aren't explaining about uh, like an adrenaline dump or anything, right? Like he's pumped, he's ready. Brock's coming at him. Why is he not ready to fight? Why isn't he getting some offense in? Why isn't why isn't a little bit of a bit of a bit of a back and forth or some or something? Give me one kick out at least. <laughs> no shit, man. Like, <laughs> ah, it was just it was just frustrating. And I don't, I love Brock, one of my favorites. But like, even I'm getting tired of this same shit, right? Yeah. Like, yep. yep. At least with good. this, at least with this. But I do want to circle back to something that I think was pretty important to talk about. Um, did you watch? Did you ever watch the pre-show of AEW or the buy-in? No, I skipped it. I didn't even want to bother. So, yeah. So there's a girls, the women's match, right? Tag match. The B, B Priestley, yeah, with the uh, concussion. Yeah. So I watched it, and man, dude, that's a bad situation. Like the girl, yeah, you know, Bree Priestley comes in, gets a big boot back of the head to Bree Priestley. And she just goes down. You could tell something's wrong. And know what pissed me off about this whole thing? The referee, whatever her name is, never checked on her. Never checked on her. It was horrible. Kind of reminded. Yeah, kind of reminded me of the uh, head shrinkers match that we're gonna talk about. Yeah. 
Well, Morello was checking on it, but yeah, they, did, yeah. they definitely handled it differently. Yeah. And it was wrong. It was definitely an old school way about it, right? Just move the guy to us. We'll talk about it later. But, yeah. like, I think that was, uh, it's kind of under the rug. No one's really talking about it. But, like, you know, like, as a referee, you're supposed to, you're supposed to see that kind of stuff. You're supposed to be there to protect your wrestler. And last I heard, you know, she was still pretty messed up. So, from this, uh, from this concussion, it was pretty bad. And, you know, I think ref- any referees are listening and, and, you know, or what, like, it's important. Like, you know, this is a problem with, I noticed with AEW refs is that they're all, they all want to be characters. Do you notice that? Like, they all want to have, like, they want to, they want to oversell a move. They want to, they, they're just, they're so focused on that bullshit. Like, you totally miss, but you're, and the, this person being injured. And I think that was, that was just horrible and they should probably not have that girl referee for a while till she goes back to school and learns how to do it correctly mm-hmm. so okay so so we were gonna talk about uh a little bit about manny pacquiao and keith thurman i'm i i, I don't think i'm going to watch it uh this weekend but uh, our buddy Danny Acosta hit me up, and I was like, "Hey, you know, see if John can go, because you know, uh, he he was looking to to check it out too." But I do hope to to watch it at some point. I just won't be able to check it out on uh, on Sunday night with everyone else, because I really wanted to go to the movie theater to see it. Because Manny Pacquiao and Keith Thurman is a great fight, and um, I don't I, I don't want to assume anything here. But from what I understand, they weren't going to do VADA testing for it. So <laughs> it's uh, it's just the normal sort of, you know, the normal testing that happens uh, the, the day before or before the fight and after the fight. So not saying, again, not assuming anything, but Manny Pacquiao looked kind of jacked. And um, he looks fast as all hell. And I think this <laughs> is going to be a barn burn of a fight. So... We'll talk about it more next week, but I know that uh, you and I we're gonna try to see it together. But I, I have uh, I have stuff going on Saturday night, which I will not be able to watch it. Yeah, I, I'm just trying to think, trying to see if I can sneak over there and watch it at the theater uh, somehow, some way. I'm bummed that we can't go see it together, but uh, uh, we'll see. It's it's a slim chance now, especially if you're not going. But like, I'm gonna see you. You know, maybe when the kids go to bed, like, hey, babe, let me just. Scoot on over, <laughs> check out this fight real quick. But yeah, it should be uh, should be really good. I'm pretty hyped over it. Uh, people talking about it where I work. It's kind of like you know, hey, you know, Pacquiao's fighting. Like it's kind of like the little buzz. So I, I I assume the buy rate's gonna be pretty good and kind of exceed their expectations. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah, I think it's like seventy five or eighty five bucks on pay per view or something like that, though. Winner, who do you got? I think Manny's gonna win. That'd be cool. Just because our last experience in the movie theater with all the Filipino fans. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just, it's, just, it's just a fun crowd to watch a fight with, especially when you know, their heroes fighting. It's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping Manny pulls it out, too. I like him. All right. So let's quickly talk about this uh, best wrestler alive uh, thing that I, that I was kind of interested in talking about. And, you know, we won't spend too much time on this because we still have to talk about Raw. But... Raw 1993, by the way. But I had this idea because of this weekend where we were watching so many great wrestlers that you actually did have an opportunity to kind of eye test 
a ton of guys who you would consider to be in the running for best wrestler going today. And again, we're not talking about buy rates. We're not talking about, um, you know, selling out stadiums and charismatic interviews and this and that. So some, you know, like Brock Lesnar is not going to be on this list. He just doesn't wrestle enough, like really high quality, great matches. And based on that, I thought, you know, is this is actually a good little exercise for wrestling fans because you kind of, in, in today's era, like you said earlier in the show, there's a lot of sameness in, in the matches, but you're also seeing guys who give a shit, and I think that's important. Um, you know, maybe in the past you didn't have to give a shit all the time about giving the fans this amazing performance, and I think that's one thing that separates wrestling today from the past is like there is a real uh, guys put pressure on themselves to have really, really, really good matches. And that wasn't always the case. And that wasn't always even within the framework of a wrestling show in 1993, you know, like when we're talking about it, you know. You know, when when Johnny B. Bad and PN News went out to have a match, their, the, their idea wasn't like, oh, we're going to steal the show. It was like, okay, we have this thing. We got to get this thing over. Here's the finish. And that, that will lead into, you know, TV in the next show. But... I'm watching, you know, we're watching a lot of stuff and I wanted to put together a list and and see what you thought about it because I had two tiers of guys. Now, what's going to be missing from these tiers is Lucha because I don't watch enough of it in order to say whether or not I can claim who's the best guy. Um, And also, you know, at least in in America, ROH, I I looked at the list and, you know, maybe, you know, there's a couple guys like like Jay Lethal who you could put on a, a best wrestler list. But other than that, like, I don't really see a ton going there. So if I miss someone from ROH, you know, I know our buddy, our buddy Nick's going to be like, what do you mean? Matt Taven's the best wrestler in the world today. Um, but, uh, but, uh, but yeah, so, so that's what's going to be missing. Also, you know, you, you would know the non New Japan, Japan scene more than I would. So, you know, Dragon Gate and all Japan and all that stuff, you would know those guys better than me. I, I definitely have. Uh, Miyahara on the list in my tier. So here, here's my tier A. Let me know what you think. So I have Okada, Tanahashi, Osprey, Miyahara, Kenny Omega, Kodabushi, Ishii, and Johnny Gargano. And I added AJ Styles because I wanted to add a WWE guy in tier A. Now, the argument against AJ is he hasn't had a great, great match in a long time. And he, and he gent like the, I think the, I think his current WWE run is defined as, Oh, I think AJ is going to have a great match. And instead he had a good match. And, and that's, you know, that's kind of been his WWE, his current WWE run. Now, some people are okay with that. Some people think those matches are actually great. I think that they're mostly just good. Like the ricochet match from this weekend, right? Like it was a fine match, but it did not, exceed my expectations for that match in any way so when i asked big dave about this he thought instead of aj styles if i wanted to put a wwe guy in there that it should be daniel bryan and i thought well you know daniel bryan had the kofi match which was really good but since then like he hasn't really had that match and he said well the tag matches are probably tag matches that daniel bryan are in he's probably working better than aj in his singles matches so if I add Daniel Bryan to the tier A and remove AJ and put him into tier B, 
I, that that may be the move. The other move that he suggested was adding Zack Sabre Jr. to Tier A because he thinks from a performance standpoint that Zack should be in there. So that's, you know, those are just Dave's thoughts. Now, Tier B, I have Seth Rollins, Jay White, Ricochet, Roman Reigns, Pac, Chris Jericho, Naito, Walter, and either Daniel Bryan or AJ Styles. So that would be my tier B. And I think the argument would be that Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns haven't had as good of matches, and, and probably Ricochet too, if you if you count his current WWE run and not the past NXT run plus all the, the indies that he was doing, that maybe Roman and Seth, from a match-to-match performance standpoint, don't deserve to be there. I, the way I look at it is... I know how good those guys are, and if given the right opportunity, I know that they're right at that level as these guys. So if we were doing a best wrestler alive, am I missing anybody? And, um, and also, uh, you know, would you substitute guys and, and, and bring one up from Tier B and bring someone down from Tier A? I think your list is pretty good i kind of want to throw roman reigns in there because he always seems to have good matches too and i know maybe the tier b like i just think he always when it comes to like the big shows i mean he always delivers and, you know look at the performance at at those last few review look at the performance at stomping ground with you know, he said and there were drew too and drew's really good i just think roman gets kind of lost in the, in the shuffle when it comes to people talking about really good performers like for me like he always delivers i always enjoy his matches yeah um, another tier B guy would be uh, 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 Nakajima Noah. He's really good. You know, just one of the best. Um, I think your tier A is pretty pretty good, and it's hard to pick who's the best because like there's so many, like it all depends on what which I guess it kind of depends what you like, right? Like, mm-hmm. is it the action, the offense, the execution of moves compared to like? The selling, the registering, the storytelling of like a Tanahashi, you know, like I just think it's 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 kind of like it's kind of cool. You're always gonna get all these different opinions, and it's it's like a great great discussion. But uh, but like to me, I still think the very best guy, like because I'm into the whole. I like the storytelling. I like the the subtleties of matches and the slow builds. Like still Tanahashi. To me, always delivers that. I'm just fascinated by his his genius. Um, I think Jay White's moving up there for me. Like mm-hmm. when it comes to his what he's been doing after this tournament, you know, I may have to put him in tier A. Yeah, yeah, I think he can. I think it. it this is a good opportunity for him to, to jump into that position. Um, you know, I watch all Japan on a, on a regular basis. I watch most of the shows, and you know, you know, you're right. You know, definitely Kento Miyahara should be on tier. It should be on tier A, and he should be high up there. He's, I mean, it's unfortunate a lot of people don't watch that promotion. You know, but like if they did, I mean, that they, they would love him because he's he's really, really, really good. So yeah, yeah, no, it's um, who do you think? Who are you going with? Well, the other thing I was going to say is, you know, I, I'm sure I'm missing guys from Europe that I just don't get to see either. So just saying that you know for people because you know we, we have a lot of people in our facebook group who are outside of 
the U.S. and they they have their guys that they watch. So uh, you know, I I obviously do not know those territories well enough to to add guys there. But I'm you know you're going Tanahashi. I'm still going Okada. Like I know Osprey is like ready. Like Osprey is like you know he is right there. I really worry about the injuries and I really worry about his mental folk, you know, not, not even focus. Cause I think he's a focused guy. I just think the emotional and the mental aspect that he deals with, he's acknowledged that many times. I think it's really hard, right? Like we saw Eddie Guerrero when he won the title, went through that same thing and it affected his run and it affected really his, his, uh, you know, the end of his career there. And so I think, you know, you look at someone like Okada, he takes the responsibility of being the top guy. He is not the most popular guy. That's Naito. He is not the most respected guy. That's Tanahashi. But he knows he's the best guy to hold that title. And I think that means something. And so I I, I still have him at the top. I have Osprey right there. To a specific style, you know, we were talking about this AEW style, this, you know, a lot of these moves and a lot of this indie style. I think Johnny Gargano is probably the best currently at that specific style. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, we'll, we'll see We'll see what Omega does. He's pretty much taken most of this year off. And so he's got, he's got stuff, you know, if he can put this uh, AEW uh, television show on his back and, you know, come... Uh, his match with Moxley at All Out, you know, he he's he he's so he's great, and and he's going to be on this list uh, no matter what. And you know, we'll see what happens at the end of G One. If Coda, you know, like you said, you think Coda's going to win this thing? If he has an amazing tournament off of one ankle, then you know maybe he's the best guy. But I would still put Okada on this. So again, for those listening, uh, reach out to us on Twitter. I'm going to put this on the in the in the the group on in, in our uh, Fight Game Podcast Facebook group and see what other people uh, think about this this conversation that we're having because I'd love to hear hear what people think. And I think this is something that, you know, we should probably do a couple times, you know, a year, maybe right before the end of the year when we're looking at the awards. Like, who is the best guy? Like, because it, it changes. It doesn't mean, like, you know, who's the best guy of all time, right? Like, it's like, who's the best guy going right now? Like, who, like, mm-hmm. you know, who is, uh, you know, who's having the best matches right, right now? So... Yeah, fun conversation, and uh, and yeah, if you're on Twitter, hit us up, and I, I'm interested in your thoughts and who you think is the best currently going right now. All right, we're gonna we're gonna quickly go through this raw show, which I don't <laughs> want to go through it too quickly because there is a an importance to this uh, show uh, in the beginning, and they tried to do a very serious angle. Uh, I don't know if Macho Man Randy Savage is the right guy to sell a, a very serious angle, but he really tried his ass off. And um, and so the show, you know, we, we were talking about this all of last week. You and I did a show about uh, Raw, what was it, Raw 23 and 24, the, mm-hmm. the sandwich in between the uh, Stars and Stripes Challenge. And then the following day I did a, a small show, a short show, where Jason, you know, who was all of like two or three years old, told me his memories of the of the stars and stripes uh, challenge uh where lex luger body slam yokozuna so this is following the 5th of july show on uh, on wwe raw 
And uh, so a, co- a couple of notes, actually, even before the show is uh, in The Observer, Meltzer has the average attendance for June of 1993 as 2,610, which he said was like the lowest in, like, I, I don't know if it was in history or in like recent like WWE attendance, but basically the story of WWE at this point is attendance is so low, but ratings are slightly up because of Raw. Um, they have some new syndicated shows like WWF Mania, which is kind of brings the overall average TV ratings down. Um, and really, like from a from a attendance standpoint, U.S. business is like in the tank because WCW is even worse. But from a TV rating standpoint, they're doing okay. But that's kind of where we stand in in June of 1993. So to keep yeah, up, no, go yeah, ahead. No, things were definitely tough, and then getting even tougher as you know, 94 hit, especially with all the legal issues with with uh, Vince and. You know, the steroids and stuff. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's just a, it's a. I mean, ninety three was just an overall downtime for U.S. pro wrestling, but you know, Jap- Japan was still doing great. So the show starts. Um, Yoko is pissed. He's facing mm-hmm. Crush, which they showed uh, the build up to on the last show. And you know, you had mentioned that for that that crowd, um, they knew that they were going to hit the match later that night as part of the TV taping. And if you want to know the kind of uh, the giveaway is that Savage is wearing the same Fourth of July outfit on this show, <laughs> so that's kind of the giveaway that it's the same taping. Um, Yoko's pissed. Like there, there are some. I think there are geishas in the ring with him that are like giving him flowers, and he like takes the flowers and like throws them. Like he is really mad that he has to have this match, and so it's a it's it's some really cool foreshadowing because. You know, it's Yoko and Crush, and Crush got half of his leg up on the Body Slam Challenge, and and they're really pushing Crush. And it's like, no, the champion is this badass sumo wrestler who's not going to take your shit, Crush. And that's what this match was. Um, Crush is not a good babyface. And, you know, this is probably a bit of a, a miscast when it comes to what crush should be in WWE, but when he's got to do a lot of selling and when he's got to do a comeback, which, you know, includes like a standing drop kick and, you know, these comeback moves, it is just not something he's really good at. And, you know, as we saw uh, with his run in demolition, it's like just a really good power guy. And so you want him to do these catering to the fans and, you know, getting fired up and trying to fire the crowd up. Like, he's just not good at it. But I will say, the the beginning of this match was not that good, but it did turn into a pretty good match when Yoko finally started to take control of it. Uh, Crush had a couple of hope spots. He had a a nice near fall after a shoulder block from the top rope. But after that, it was just Yoko going to town on him leg drop the splash from the corner the, the butt drop from the corner and then he's turning up the heat on you know just like i'm just gonna take all of my frustrations with lex out on you and he gave him like four butt splashes mm-hmm. in the corner first Tatanka comes in to save him but then he just treats Tatanka like a nobody and this mm-hmm. is like you know this is our you know when we're watching Tatanka a month or two ago 
I'm talking like, God, this guy looks like he should be the champ. And nope, he's not in good grace right now with somebody. So Tataka comes in, gets beat up. Then the the uh, the job guys come in, gets beat up. Finally, Savage comes in. Now Vince is telling him like, look, like you can. It is in your contract that you cannot mix it up with these guys. And so Savage pulls Crush out of the way from a fifth butt drop, and they do the stretcher job with uh, with Crush going out. Heenan is like putting all the heat on Lex for Yoko going crazy and he's doing this throughout the entire show and Savage is getting so mad. I liked the, the I liked the play with Heenan and Savage though because you knew that Savage was not going to beat up Bobby and Bobby's not a wrestler. Some of it came off a, a little bit too comedic, but Savage, you know, Savage really really tried to get over the seriousness of this thing, but he's Randy Savage the cartoon character sometimes and sometimes it didn't work, but I thought the whole thing was was pretty impressive, and I'm watching Yoko going like, "Man, Lex Luger is gonna get his." Yeah, I thought this match was good. I thought this was Crush's best performance under this gimmick, Babyface Crush, Kool Aid Crush. Like I thought he was. Uh, I thought this was like his best performance. I liked the match. I liked some of the moves he did. I loved the f- flying shoulder tackle on top. That that was great. Um, Yoko was was awesome as always. Um, the angle was, tr- I thought was pretty damn good. And I thought Macho and Heenan were fantastic in their roles. Even though like, you're right. Like I'm just waiting for, like, I think they should have had something where, you know, Savage kind of goes off on Bobby or takes him out or kicks him out or mm-hmm. says something, right? Maybe like tells him to get out of my face or by the end of the show to, to get him off the air, you know? And I thought that could have been a nice little added touch to it, but. Um, it felt like a pretty big match. It felt like the crowd was crowd was super into it too. They're pretty hot for this, so yeah, I, I like this. And so they're giving updates throughout the whole show. Savage leaves the announcers booth so he could go check on his buddy Crush. And so there is a seriousness to this, and it is simply to get Yoko over as a killer. And I think it worked. Uh, the uh, next match was the Head Shrinkers against Aaron Ferguson and P.J. Walker. Poor Aaron Ferguson. I, I, I'm I dying to know what happened to this guy because he takes like a double backdrop and almost... That's not, that's P.J. Walker. Oh, was it P.J. Walker that took the backdrop? Yeah, yeah Aldo Montoya. He survived another day. So. Oh, okay, got it, got it, got it. Yeah. So, so, he, so he takes this double backdrop and he did go over, but I thought he was going to like drill the top of his head into the mat. Um, and then the very next move, he gets drilled on this clothesline, and he is knocked out. Like he, like they, like they're waiting for him to get up. He's not getting up. They drag him to the corner so he could tag in the other guy. And the, you know, I, I, you know, n- not to say that you know I wanted to see this guy get beat up, but man, the head shrinkers look like like the scariest guys in the in the world after this match. Yeah, you know, I don't know why. What happened on the backdrop, I think maybe he thought he was going for getting thrown in the air and doing that like pancake up down, but then I don't know. It was just it was weird and that was scary enough. I think he was already loopy from that. And then bam, like that clothesline right to the head, like knocked him silly and out. And what a what a different world it does back in ninety three. Like the referee, this is bad too. Like, you know, he was checking on him and checking on him and kind of making like looking at the 
looking at Vince, I think, or, or whoever was at ringside, you know, he's trying to communicate with them and they did, but wow, man, no, it was, it was, I, it was funny when this match started, I'm like, Oh my God, is someone PJ Walker gets killed, you know? <laughs> and sure enough, it was. And it's just, it was, yeah, it's trick. Head shrinkers look awesome. They look like just killers and scariest tag team. They come around in a long time. But yeah, this was pretty, uh, pretty horrible situation. They, t- they should have stopped the match right then or there. Or just had Samu pin him. Yeah. And get over with. Like, I don't know why they didn't and get out of there, but, uh, in this day and age, like something like that happens, they would just call the match off because that's you know safety of the wrestler. But yeah, it, it was it, that, watching it today. It's very uncomfortable to watch it. So the uh, Vince just kind of says in passing that the Steiner brothers faced Money Inc. on Superstars. So I'm guessing that was their return match because they were saying in a previous show that they're so smart that they got a return match in their contract. So I'm assuming that's it. They did not talk about this match any more than, than that. Uh, they're also teasing Marty and Sean next week. And my, my good buddy, Robert Silva, he told me that he was actually live at that show. So maybe maybe I'll try to get his thoughts on, on that show for next week. That match is great. Uh, so Tatanka versus the Brooklyn Brawler is the next match. And this, you know, we're sort of talking about Tatanka, uh, you know, not looking great these days. Uh, you know, it's kind of, a, kind of a longer match. You know, he, Brawler had a lot of offense here. <laughs> Macho Man is yelling at Heenan, who Heenan keeps saying that the reason why Crush got uh, beat up like he did is because uh, it was Lex's fault. And Savage screams at Heenan, don't switch the heat. Screams mm-hmm. it at him like two times. Then, yeah, yeah. then Heenan, this this one made me laugh. Heenan tells Vince, he's like, it's a business and you don't make friends. Everybody is just a piece of meat. And I was like, wow, like, I'm sure Vince sort of agrees <laughs> with that statement. And Vince was, Vince disagreed with him immediately. And that one, that made me laugh because, you know, just the reason why Vince is, as good as he is, is because he doesn't get too attached to people, and you know he, it is a business, and so I, th- I thought that was funny. Yeah, uh, I thought, and also the I thought it was interesting too. The right before this match, there's a promo with Bobby Heenan, straight to the camp camera, basically doing the promo for Yokozuna, you know, against Luger. I thought maybe this is like the beginning of Vince thinking, you know, we need someone else to be the voice of Yokozuna mm-hmm. and right here he had Bobby Heenan do it. I think that's where they got, okay, we need someone that can go that can, we can bring in and become a manager and I can take the bumps because Heenan can't take the bumps anymore. Right. And that's probably where the idea of Jim Cornette came. Yeah, that could be it. So, um, long, long, longish match. Obviously Tatanka finally comes back to win. And the other thing is that, you know, they spent so much time talking about the situation with Crush and Yokozuna. Savage starts throwing Jack Tunney under the bus as if this was Jack Tunney's fault. So I don't know. I don't remember <laughs> what happens here, but I don't know, you know, all of a sudden why uh, he started to uh, to get pissed at Jack here. But, um, yeah, Savage was just Savage was angry the whole show. Yeah, I thought the match was good, too, with Tonka and Brooklyn Brawler. You know, Steve Lombardi, Brooklyn Brawler. You know, Mr. Reliable, like, just really good wrestling. I thought he looked pretty motivated, too. Like, he delivered, like, this really short clothesline. 
it looked nasty. You know, let's talk. I mean, it's safe and perfect, but it just looked so good and vicious. And, you know, Tonka looked good again. And, I, and I, yeah, something must be going on with Tonka. They either fell out of favor or, or you know, there's just, you know, because I know his streak's going to end soon. And But he looked good here. And I, you know, I always love that. Like I said, I talked about before, I love that end of the trail Samoan drop he did. Just so simple. But mm-hmm. he always just, the way he executed it, it was just perfect. And so they 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 do these uh, these interviews with the the fans in uh, at the taping, and this little kid cuts like a fabulous yeah. promo for Lex. Like, yeah, where why did this kid they, come from? And why they follow up with another kid that's worse? <laughs> like, end it there. Man. I know that that kid was awesome. I was like, wow. He, yeah, he hit all the points. He was in detail. Like, I love this kid. Uh, next match was Mr. Hughes against Tony DeVito, and the entire thing was all based on he. Uh, there was a, a wreath from The Undertaker delivered ringside, and all it said was "Rest in Peace" on it. And then there, and then after Mr. Hughes beat DeVito, uh, there was a card attached to the wreath, and he looks at it, and we, as the viewers and also the announcers, can actually see what it says. And it said, uh, rest in peace from The Undertaker. And so we see it. The announcers see it. For for whatever reason, Mr. Hughes is on like a 10-second delay. And he finally reacts to this card and is very angry. Heenan's cover for Mr. Hughes not being able to read the card is uh, because he had sunglasses on. So I thought uh, that was funny. The best was Vince. Like, I finally read it now. Like, <laughs> but it's But he's being directed to take his time so the camera can catch the yeah 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 but said the car you know yeah, yeah but yeah. uh yeah i just thought that was i i laughed out loud on that one i, I love that i love that and uh yeah you know good good squash match hughes looked great um love that side slam he does it looked a little bit more like a choke slam on this show yeah i mean it looked i mean just just i mean he because like okay boss man had it like under the arm yeah right and down Hughes was more of like a pick the guy up by a choke slam and slam him down. So and it's funny because Vince like said he always did this like the same move that Undertaker. <laughs> it's like yeah, a little similar, yes. Yeah, it, it did look a little bit more like it, but we were, we were talking, um, we were talking last week how it was starting to look more. It was almost like it was almost starting to look also like uh, a rock bottom kind of as well, like mm-hmm. just the way that he gets him he gets him up. So uh, the first SummerSlam report has Mean Gene talking about Bret Hart versus Jerry Lawler, which we know doesn't happen at this show. Uh, it actually becomes Brent, Brett versus Doink with Lawler uh, in Doink's corner. So they are leading to more Lawler stuff next week. He's going to have a, king, uh, <clears throat> a king, king's court. And he's bringing in Tiny Tim... The old singer, and I think this is the show where he like berates Stu and Helen as well, right? I think so. I just I know this is a big show coming up. This is one of the the biggest shows, one of the most well known, remembered shows mm-hmm. of uh, of the first year because there's the great, really damn good Shawn Michaels and Marty match, which I believe actually won the PWI nineteen ninety three match of the year. And uh, when all that stuff was important back then, yeah. And um, um, and this in this interview with Tiny Tim, 
Yeah, I think, you know, I, I haven't seen it in a long time. I bet it's going to be really funny when I watch it. Yeah, I know. Over again with Lawler. I remember that. I, I definitely remember that show. I remember watching that one live. But, uh, but it is also, like, something that at my at my age when I watched it, had no clue who Tiny Tim was <laughs> and why he was in there. I didn't understand the whole, like, his little uh, short fame back in whatever it was, the 70s, I guess, or I, I early don't, 80s. I don't, I don't even know. I just remember uh, Tip Throw Through the Tulips, right? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, I remember that, like, but I just didn't know who he was. I'm like, well, who is this guy? Like, yeah. who is, why is it so important? Why, we, why is he on my wrestling show? <laughs> so there was another Men on a Mission TV package. Oscar's mm-hmm. got, a, got a new rap, and they are really, really trying to show, like, the a very slummy area, <laughs> like... It's like all it's the like ba- Brooklyn. All the yeah, I'm guessing all the background <laughs> shots were like terrible. It looked like a terrible place, but then you know there's, I don't know. I I don't want to say that the whole thing was kind of racist, but very stereotypical for sure about the audience they are trying to draw with men on a mission. I didn't, and you know, I was kind of off on this one. Uh, yeah, not a great rap song. I would say that WCW one. The hip hop music video of the year with the too cold Storpio <laughs> stepping to too cold, or it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was pretty bad. But uh, the funniest part is like, you watch this, like, watch Moe's face. <laughs> like, he's uncomfortable as hell. He's like this southern boy, right? And he's in there, and they're like, he's like, <laughs> like, you can just tell he's like, all right, what do I do here? Yeah, and, I know. But, you know, Mabel was a little more, Mabel was a little more into it. But they're making their debut tomorrow. I mean, that, that next, next week, show. Yeah. So they, they're, they're debut Looking forward to that. Uh, Adam Baum versus Scott Amati is the uh, last match. At, at some point, Adam Baum puts a stomach claw on him and mm-hmm. uh, then hits a power bomb. And Savage makes a weird remark, like as if the, the power bomb was too destructive. I, I don't know why. He said something like, you know, what's got I think into he was it? just, I think he was saying, like, Things are getting out of hand. These the people being destroyed. Like, yeah. If you remember that match, that that Beal that that Amadi kid takes and lands right on his shoulder. Yeah. That was fast. Yeah. I thought, oh, great. Got another guy knocked out. Yeah. yeah then yeah. he then he takes that bump out of the ring, which looked really good. And then that <laughs> man, they're trying to kill people. This show. There's the 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 body slam that Adam Bomb just chucks <laughs> that guy. I mean, it was it was good. I mean, it was just it was like, wow, man. They're really man. I'm, I'm watching this Adam Bomb, right? I'm thinking like. What the hell happened to this guy? I know. Like, I feel like they're going to do something with him, right? You're feeling like, wow, man, they're making this guy into a monster. And all of a sudden, he just fizzles out. And so that is the last match. And, you know, they tease some stuff for next week. Uh, reading in The Observer, coming to a screen near you on WWE TV is Ludwig Borga. So he's on his mm-hmm. way. Yep. The Quebecers. And also... The tag team of Well Done. So those are the folks coming to WWE TV. Um, the other the other thing that was in the in the Observer is Dave noted that the uh, Body Slam Challenge on the USS Intrepid did nearly twenty thousand dollars or about fifteen hundred paying fans. So they actually charged people to stand there around the ring and watch. Yokozuna attempts to get body slammed. 
That, Tiger how, Tough, man. Tiger God, tough. how how were how was that not free rather than charging people like you know I don't know, was it twelve bucks or whatever to get in? Dude, I'm telling you, wrestling fans pay for anything. They're paying oh for cardboard God. belts for Christ's sake. <laughs> that is true. That is very true. Um, yeah. So so that's it. So next week we are we are building towards a really big WWE uh, Monday Night WWF Monday Night Raw. Yeah, no, it's a definitely a very important one. And then, hey, we're in a treat because that, that Shawn Michaels match and Marginee match is just, just really good. Really yeah, good. yeah. Um, that is all I have here. Anything else you wanted to bring up before we go off the air? No, I'm good. I'm, uh, it's been fun. And well, I saw a lot, of, a lot of great wrestling, a lot of wrestling. I probably did too much. I even watched the All Japan show today. Oh, my that. God. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't have an illness, but yeah, um, I'm looking forward to, well, we don't get a break now. Wait, shoot. No more breaks. I got to watch G1. Uh, yeah, absolutely. We got four G1 shows before our next, uh, our next uh, podcast. Yeah. Um, shout out to, let's shout out to Heartbreak AD and Reveal. Good to see him. They get to mention him this, this podcast yet, but we, all, we always have to mention our good friend, David Rubio and, I know he's listening, and he's pumped for G one. He's he's caught up. I believe. <clears throat> oh wow, that's awesome. And uh, and yeah, so next week we will talk about uh, nights uh, five through eight on the G one. And gosh, what else is there? Any, what else is is coming up this weekend? I'm trying to think what's going on. I don't think there uh, there's got to be a UFC show of some sort. Oh, so I was saying UFC show every every week. Is there a UFC shows? I was saying UFC shows weekend. Um... Nothing, I guess we're okay with the, just the G1, and oh, I'm, like I said, I hope to go sneak out to go see that Pacquiao fight, if yeah. I can, yep. and uh, I'll let you know if I do next week. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I'm going to need to watch, I'm going to need to find out how to watch it at, at some point, because... I'm sure there's ways. <laughs> yeah, there's good, yeah, there's definitely ways. Um, all right, so uh, so that's it from here. So we will we will be here next week. And uh, update you with all the haps that, uh, that go on. So, for John, I'm Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out.